Go ahead and have a seat. This prophetic word from from uh, Christina Rose. She feels she felt to share this verse from Isaiah 59. And this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit will not leave them, and neither will these words I have given you. They will be on your lips and on the lips of your children and on your children's children forever. I, the Lord, have spoken. Emphasizing the spirit and the word and the dynamic blessing that the spirit and the word have over his people. Thank you, God, for that. These uh, words of knowledge, Mary Vaughn got these words of knowledge for uh, healing for today. Left wrist, supernatural peace, supernatural hope that God's word will not return void with reference to your prayers for your family. Left wrist, Supernatural peace and hope that God's word, supernatural hope that God's word will not return void as you pray for your families. So those of you joining from home, if you identify as wanting to own one of those words, just grab it, put it in your hand and grab it. (laughs) And in the audience today, take a hold of it. If you have any of those needs that you're identifying as your own or any other physical condition, ailment that you'd like prayer for, would you stand right now and we'll declare, have you lay hands on yourself and Smith Wigglesworth style. And you joining from home, you can do the same. Stand and put put a hand on or near the area that you're wanting to bless. So God... We pray for that left wrist healing come. Thank you for supernatural peace. Hit them now with your spirit deep. Escape completely supernatural peace. And that hope, that faith that your word is not returning void and prayers are being answered for family members that are straying and in a tough spot. We bless our oikoses our extended families with salvation in the circle of our families this circle will not be broken in heaven it will be the same circle all of our extended families are in by the blood of Christ we declare it your word is not returning void friends at home friends joining here in the sanctuary today as the music continues let's receive the body and blood of the Lord Jesus in communion. In just a moment, I'm going to read a scripture. The communion passage in John chapter 6 reads, Jesus speaking, I am the living bread. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give him is my flesh which I shall give for the life of the world. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. 
For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Thank you for your body, Jesus. We stand before it in transcendent time. We stand before your broken body at that cross. And we say we are owning that sacrifice for ourselves as we partake of the symbol of your body now. Let's receive together. And as we partake of the symbol of your shed blood, we stand before your shed blood in history. We stand before it in intimate connection with it. We receive and drink your blood and we receive eternal life in so doing. We partake of the symbol now in Jesus' name. And we own the reality. Amen and amen. Go ahead and have a seat. If you're not seated now, my friends that are in the sanctuary here, thank you, team. Well done. That's a good job today. I want to remind everybody that we stand under the powerful Word of God in all kinds of areas in our lives. And in the area of tithing and giving, we stand before that new covenant declaration that is in the Old Testament. There's a lot of new covenant in the Old Testament. And that is to bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And we praise and we thank God for the faithfulness in tithing. Not only for the sake of ourselves as we live under an open heaven, anticipating the favor of God um, in, the, in God pouring into us, opening the windows of heaven and pouring out a blessing on us that we're not able to contain, but also that there's food in this house. And I wanted to just say that we are uh, six months into the, our budget for this year and we are totally on track for um, our budget, uh, our faith declaration in our budget. It's just uh, wonderful, the faithfulness of God's people. I want to tell you today there's food in this house. And it's your fault. <laughs> uh, reminder that the best way to get um, information on what's going on with our church fellowship is Pastor Dan's News and Notes, updated every Thursday. That's me. <laughs> and, uh, and it's on our New Song Medford Facebook page. It's on our church website, posted on Thursdays. And I send out to email um, to everybody that I'm not sure is connecting with it through our Facebook page or our uh, website. So if you are not getting that and you would like me to email, be sure and let me know what your email is so I can do that. Um, Richard Chafee uh, Zoom Celebration of Life service is this Tuesday at 5 p.m. And you can go to Richard Chafee Facebook page to... See the to get the Zoom link for that if you want to join at 5 p.m. I'm leading that service. Um, Shirley and family are in Arizona and Texas, and there's family, their family scattered all across America. But we're having a, a Zoom um, celebration of life service this Tuesday, 5 p.m. Uh, 
Marty Peterson's amazing prophetic, amazing prophetic um, ministry with her team this Saturday after the 6 p.m. service. Uh, come and receive a prophetic word if you haven't already. It's just amazing. Really wonderful time. Start, start, that starts about 7.20. The service starts at 6 p.m. That service will be here next Sunday morning, 9.30 here. And next Sunday, 10.30, we'll start um, in the parking lot. And anyone who wants, wants to go to any of those, you're welcome to come to any or all of them if you'd like. And we have 10 canopies that are shade canopies. And it's going to be a great time outside next week as well. It's this week. So, and also, you can also tell your family and friends that they can drive to that, up to that service and hear, hear very, very easily from, their car, from your cars. We have a car area for people wanting to drive up for that service. So that would be awesome as well. Everybody's happy. Everybody's happy except the devil. It was very sad today. I want to start a series that I'm so excited about today, a mini-series called About the Bible, and I feel very stirred in my heart about honoring the Bible, the Word of God, and um, it's going to be uh, off and on over the next few weeks, this series about the Bible, and some of my preaching friends are going to help me preach it. And then starting in September, praise God, we're going to do a 32-week preaching through the Bible extravaganza. And you're going to like it because Jesus is the subject of every book in the Bible. I can't hardly wait. In fact, I could preach it all right now if I could. I could. I'm into it. I'm really excited about it. But today, I would like to talk with you about the authority of the Bible. The authority of the Holy Bible. My first talking point is that the authority of the Holy Bible is our supreme authority. Now, I wouldn't go to the Bible to, to understand how to change the oil on, in my Honda 250 Rebel. It's not the authority for that. The Bible's not my authority for how to best fish for trout at Lost Creek Lake. But I want to tell you what. The Bible is my authority and your authority, and the whole world's authority for everything related to belief and behavior. Everything related to faith and lifestyle. The Holy Bible, God's Holy Word, is our strong tower. And, the Bible, and God's Word says about God's Word, I have exalted my Word above my name. And I am so excited to preach about the authority of God's Word today. You know, I took a, I did a listen to a Regent College, Graduate Theological Seminary, um, a college recently, lecture series on apologetics, that is, defending the Christian faith. And you know what? I learned something I want to pass on to you, and that is the postmodern mindset is different than the modern mindset. For centuries, the modern mindset was, is convince me through reason, and I'll believe it. The postmodern mindset, the generation um, that is currently emerging onto the cultural scene, the postmodern mindset isn't convince me and I'll believe it. It's if I feel like it's true, it is. 
Have you, uh, have you even noticed with detective shows, that detective shows in the 80s and the 90s, it was always follow the evidence. But now, current detective shows, often it's what do you feel in your gut? Truly, it's hard to get our minds around this, but if, if you're a postmodern thinker, but really, this whole business of, well, you have your truth and I have my truth. My truth is based on my opinions and on my experience. But it's my truth and it might have nothing to do with logic. If you ever feel like uh, politicians, for instance, are being irrational and are throwing common sense out the window, it's because they are embracing an experience of truth based on feeling, not on logic. It's very destructive, actually. But I want to I tell you today that we have, in God's word, a, a, a stronghold of truth, a stronghold of reality, anchors of reality that we can hang on to, promises we can hang on to. The Bible, my friends, is God preaching and teaching. And, and uh, I'm glad that our authority is not even supremely reason or supremely um, feeling not either one of those, but our, our strong authority for life and belief is, I can hold this up, it's my iPad Bible, I have it open to my Bible, so just pretend this is my Bible, okay, because it is, <laughs> it's open to my Bible, God's holy word. I want to turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 14 and following, because in it, there's an a appeal to three different kinds of authorities that the Apostle Peter, in his sermon after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, Peter is preaching. 3,000 people get saved in the, from this sermon. But he appeals to three authorities, and the third one that he appeals to is the Word of God, and it is the most important one, but there are other a couple of authorities I want to uh, mention as as uh, appetizers until we get to the supreme authority, which is the Bible. The first authority that Peter speaks to about in Acts 2, verse 14 and following, is the authority of the experience of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, 14, Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. You know, the Holy Spirit is a wonderful, is a wonderful anchor of authority for life and belief for us. God's word says that he is. We often refer to the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit leading us to do? What is the Holy Spirit leading you to do? What, is the, what are the fruits of the Spirit? Love and joy and peace and so on. What are the gifts of the Spirit leading you? What is the peace of Christ? Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. This Holy Spirit is a wonderful authority. That, and experiencing the Spirit. Peter is saying, hey, you guys. You just watched us get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and it was awesome. Pretty soon it's going to be your turn, those of you that get good saved. 
you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. Just, you're going to experience the Holy Spirit just like we did. And even in saying that, the anointing of God was on him and on his listeners. And you know what? One of, as I share the gospel a lot out on the street, one-on-one, you know what I depend on a lot is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit when I'm sharing one-on-one with people. I feel it on me. I feel it on them. They can be argumentative. I've seen many times they're argumentative at first, and then all of a sudden you can just watch it happen. Shift. The Spirit hits them, and they start crying. And they start repenting. And they start putting their faith in Jesus. It's wonderful to behold this anointing of the Spirit. You know, I I often will ask people, have you ever experienced the tangible presence of God? And you know, even even pre-believers, there are no such things as unbelievers, just pre-believers. Even pre-believers have often experienced the tangible presence of God like in a car crash or in a hospital or at an AA meeting, they will identify, yeah. I, I had a young man say once to me, yeah, I have experienced the tangible presence of God. I said, well, what, tell me about it. As I, tell me about it. He said, well, I was at this church down by, on Holly Street, and I went to a special meeting down there, and I, I, went into the, I went to that church, and man, I experienced the Holy Spirit. I said, what was the name of the church? He said, it's called Newsom Church. It was our church. <laughs> I said, hey, that's cool, man. So I prayed more of the Holy Spirit on him right then and there. The Holy Spirit is the key to everything, secret to everything, secret to power and life, love, living a supernatural life. The Holy Spirit is the secret. It's the authority, very powerful authority. Signs and wonders including the resurrection of Jesus, are, are, a sign and, are a, an authority as well. Jesus and, and said, if I don't do the works of God, don't believe me. But if I do do the works of God, you better believe me. Peter, speaking here, he says, I'm read extensively, so follow with along. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maidservants... I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapors of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great awesome day of the Lord. And it will come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles. Here it is. Attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified, put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. What's he saying? You are now seeing a sign and signs and wonders, this outpouring of the Spirit, this experience of the Spirit you are, you are observing, this drunkenness that these people are, 
seem to be experiencing. These hearing the language of praise, and you know, this is a sign, a sign to you from God, and it's a, it's a continuation of the signs and of the wonders that Jesus Christ did when he was ministering on um, a few years ago, his three years here. And, and that sign, those signs and the wonders, and wonders culminated in the resurrection of Jesus. I have a friend who's in heaven now. His name is Howard Ferris. He told our, sat, stood right here and told our church one time. He's a, he worked for PPNL, but every summer he would go to uh, Pakistan, preach the gospel. And he developed a method of preaching the gospel that was, that was just recounting the stories of Jesus and the signs and wonders of Jesus through the gospels. And as he was proclaiming the stories of Jesus to um, crowds that were hugely uh, high percentages were Islamic, uh, signs and wonders would spontaneously break out. And people would get saved as he was just telling the story. But his story always culminated in the resurrection of Christ. Death and resurrection of Christ. Death for our sins, that's a sign and a wonder. Resurrection of Christ, sign and a wonder. And you know, when I, when I share the gospel with people, I do the same thing. Only I do it in microcosm. I say, I tell people, you know what? Jesus Christ opened blind eyes, opened deaf ears, walked on water, died on the cross for your sins and mine, rose from the dead, never to die again. But he also lived a perfectly righteous life on the final exam of life, Jesus Christ got an A+, 100% smiley face, and he wants to write your name next to his on his exam. So you're not going to get into heaven based on your B+, or B-, which is a fail in God's economy. But you're going to get into heaven on Jesus' A+, 100% smiley face, because your name is next to his on his exam. That's a sign and a wonder, my friend. Would you like that? Well, how do you access that? Well, this verse actually says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. Three different times in the Bible, God's word says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. So how do you access this free gift? You could call on the name of the Lord Jesus sometime in the future, or I could lead us in a prayer right now, line by line, and you could receive this wonderful free gift of eternal life. And about half the time, they'll say, yeah, I want it now. I want it. They don't want to wait. And they receive the sign, and they become a sign and a wonder because they just got born of the Spirit right there, right before my very eyes. And you can see the transformation that hits them. I could, I could get so addicted, I am so addicted to the Holy Spirit's presence on people that I could go out and evangelize just so I could experience watching them experience this God birth happen in their spirits. Everybody's happy. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is the Bible. That's the authority of the Bible. I was curious the other day how many of our presidents over the years allowed themselves to have a photo taken of them with a Bible. And I was disappointed. As far as I could see, there was only three, other than when they had their hand on the Bible and they um, were sworn into office, I could only find three presidents who actually did a photo op with a Bible 
Why does that, is that important to me? I'll tell you why. In this day and age, with all the uncertainties, all the craziness, all the upheaval, the Bible is an anchor for hope, reality, and all things good. And I want to see, I wanted to see down through the years which ones of our presidents were willing to humble themselves and say, yeah, the Bible is that for me. Why? I don't even care if they say, I don't even care. I, I, of course, I care that they did it for good motives. I mean, who are we to judge the secrets of their heart? I mean, two of these presidents of the three I saw were Democrats. And, uh, and one of them was a Republican. And I don't care if you're a Republican or you're a Democrat. If you're a president, you should say, this book, this book is authority for all things good. Jimmy Carter, Bill Clinton, Donald Trump all had pictures of themselves honoring the Bible. And to me, that's a great statement by a president on this 4th of July weekend. I wanted to say that. Abraham Lincoln said, I believe the Bible is the best gift God has ever given to man. All the good from the Savior of the world, is communicated to us through this book. Listen carefully. Ronald Reagan said, Within the covers of the Bible are the answers to all the problems people face. Well, they didn't all get their picture taken, but some of them said some good stuff, didn't they? John Quincy Adams. Quote, are you listening? The first and Almost the only book deserving of universal attention is the Bible. I speak as a man of the world, and I say to you, search the scriptures. President Woodrow Wilson said, The Bible is the one supreme source of revelation of the meaning of life, the nature of God, and needs of men. America was born a Christian nation. President Woodrow Wilson. President Calvin Coolidge said, The foundations of our society... And our government rests so much on the teachings of the Bible. Franklin Delano Roosevelt said, Where we have been the truest and most consistent in obeying the Bible, we have attained the greatest measure of contentment and prosperity. President Franklin Roosevelt and some of the other presidents quoting about the Bible. I want to, um, as a child, I tell you that as a child, my dad gave me the New Testament and Psalms that he carried when he was in the army. Gave it to me, and I put that Bible as a four or five-year-old under my pillow every night. There was an intuitive respect for the Word of God that was built into me even as a child. And I, I want to see, I want to see, Political leaders honor the Bible, and I want to see every Christian. You don't have to sleep with a Bible under your pillow at night. But I just want to see us honor the Bible even more than we already do, because it's worthy. A prophetic symbol of what I'm talking about was Leonard Knight. There's a picture of him. Leonard Knight. It was in World War I, seven, World War I, 17 years old, got shot in the chest in Germany. Shot in the chest. Should have died. 
but it hit his Bible. He had under his, under his coat, under his jacket, over his heart, and he was spared. And I think that that's a prophetic statement. We want our hearts protected from the enemy. Let's have that Bible be big in our lives. Okay? My second talking point, the authority of the Bible is a self-authenticating authority. Peter goes on to say in Acts 2.25, for David says concerning him, and then he quotes something from the Psalms. I notice in Peter's reference to Joel, Peter's reference to the Psalms, he doesn't go into a rationale as to why they should believe the Bible and then therefore believe his message. He doesn't have to explain how a computer works. He just turns the computer on. He doesn't have to defend the Bible. He just uses the Bible. Because the Bible, my friends, is self-authenticating. It rings true when you read it. You read the Quran, not the same. You read the Book of Mormon, it's not the same. You read the Apocrypha, even Jesus healing birds and, and declaring over his little Pharisee friends that uh, uh, declarations and they fall down in the mud. It doesn't have the same ring of truth to it. My friends, the Bible is self-authenticating when we read it. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that it's true. The early church did not decide what should be in the Bible. Now, the Roman Catholic Church, and I say this with great respect for the Roman Catholic Church. They're doing, they're doing a good work in lots of ways. But they're, they're missing it when they say our church tradition and our teaching decided what books go in the Bible. It was that philosophy that Dan Brown in the Da Vinci Code said, well, the Catholic Church just did that in order to manipulate and control people in the Da Vinci Code. I want to tell you, my friends, that the church, early church did not decide what books go in the Bible. They recognized what books should go in the Bible. They saw it because the Bible is self-authenticating. Clearly is the word of God. The first list of Bible books was by a heretic named Marcion in 144 AD. He said, book of Luke and some of Paul's epistles are the word of God, nothing else is. And everybody else, all the other pastors around said, man, whoa, wait a minute here. Whoa, 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 just, just stop right there, Mr. Marcion. No, here's the list. And they started publishing their list, and guess what? It was a 20, within a few decades, the 27 books of the New Testament emerged. The same ones that we have today. Because they're self-authenticating. Finally, the, the, the authority of the Bible is not only a supreme authority and not only self-authenticating, but it's also very supernaturally potent. Acts 2.25, for David says concerning him, that is Jesus, 
I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he's at my right hand that I may, I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoices and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Psalm 16.8. Now where in that psalm is anything that says it's Jesus? Answer, nowhere. I don't even know that King David, when he wrote that, knew he was referring to the Messiah. He just anointed of the Spirit, wrote it down. But Peter, looking at it, says, My friends, this verse is not about David. It is about Jesus Christ raising from the dead. Every single word of the Old Testament and the New is permeated with the reality of the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. There's not a word that's not about Jesus. Jesus told the Pharisees, You search the Scriptures because in them you think you have life. It's those scriptures that speak of me. I want to challenge your thinking a little bit here for a moment. Do you know how light, scientists say, are both photons, that, that are, they're, they're particles, but they're also waves? And the truth is they can't be, they can't logically and reasonably be particles and waves at the same time. But if you study them as particles, there they are. If you study light as waves, there it is. Do you know that the Bible is God's word and Jesus is God's word? You know that? John's gospel, in the beginning, was the what? Was the word. The word... The Greek word there is logos. It's what's in the Greek Old Testament is used throughout. The Septuagint is used throughout. Logos is the word for the Bible. In the beginning was the Bible. It was the word. And the word was what? With God. And the word was God. What? We're shifting from pro photons to waves here. The word is the written word. Yeah, and the word is fully resurrected Jesus Christ. Yeah. How can that be? My friends, if you're God, you can do anything you want. And that's what he wants to do. C.S. Lewis put it this way. It is Christ himself who is the true word of God. The Bible read in the right spirit will bring us to him. Jesus. Here's my little granddaughter, Emma, two years old. My son John told me yesterday that Emma loves hugs from her daddy so much that if he's standing the other side of the room, she will go get a chair from the dining room set and drag the chair, big chair, all the way across the dining room and the living room to where John is standing to climb up on the chair and give daddy a hug. My friends, in the right conscientiousness, hunger for our daddy in heaven, the Bible is the chair. We can get the Bible and get it to Jesus, get to the Spirit, get to the Father. It's the Bible. Let's stand. We'll have a prayer.
My friends, if you're watching on our YouTube channel, or if you're in the audience today, if you're watching on channel 11 at 11, glad to have you with us. I want you to know today that you cannot get to heaven based on your B-plus life, your B-minus life, or even your A-minus life. With God, you only can have an A-plus or you don't get in. If I was to invite you over for breakfast to make a 12-egg omelet for you, and I put 11 good eggs in and one rotten egg in, how would you like that breakfast? I suspect you wouldn't like it very well. It'd be ruined. Well, we cannot serve our lives up to God. We cannot serve our lives up to God unless we have a perfect life to serve up to God. We can't do that. But Jesus did. So if you want to get in on Jesus' 100% A-plus smiley face, you call on the name of the Lord Jesus today because the Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus three times, whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. Allow yourself to be born again in that by doing that and tell a close Christian friend. If you don't have one, ask God to give you one. God, or, or email me, Dan Mickelson, at newsong, um, at, uh, uh, dan at newsongmedford.com. Let me know about it. And... Uh, your, your Christian friend will help you grow in your friendship with Jesus. Put your hand on your heart, my friends. Thank you, God, for the Bible, your holy word. We praise you for it, God. Thank you for its authority, God. It's, a, it's supreme authority. It's for faith, for belief, for behavior, for life. Praise you that it's self-authenticating, and we praise you. It's a manifestation of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen and amen. Go home and enjoy your Bible. God bless us. Thank you for being with us today.